Hello and welcome back to Canada's Pants. We are Amy, Hannah and Ro, three American Studies students at the University of Lincoln. Our opinions are our own and don't represent the university. Today we're going to be mainly focusing on the issues surrounding the statues and what we're going to do about them. We felt it was more important to begin with to say what most of these statues, in America at least, are about. And most of them are about the Civil War. Ladies, you know about the Civil War. We done do. (laughs) Aye. That's a good answer. (laughs) So, so like, before we get into it, I just want to state emphatically that the Civil War was about slavery. If anyone tries to tell you it was about economics, or states' rights, the best reply I can give them is a state's right to what? And it's a state's right to own slaves. Let's get that out of the way first. So, basically, it was the North versus the South, or the Union, which was the North, versus the Confederacy, who were the slave owners. So, key figures in the Confederacy are Stonewall Jackson, Robert E. Lee, and they're like a lot of the statues are dedicated to people such as that. And according to the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is a thing I had to Google extensively to find out if it was even real, just did not sound real to me, there are over 1,500 Confederate monuments across America, not even just in the South. So states that didn't even want slavery at the time now have statues dedicated to slave owners. If anyone wants to wrap their head around that logic, I'm cool. <laughs> but what is really important to acknowledge about the Civil War, you don't need to know the details of everything, but what you do need to know is that the statues were not put up at the time. Most of the Confederate monuments that are dedicated to slave owning men, what's important to know about the statues is that most of them were put up by the daughters of the Confederacy who aimed to teach our history, as they would say in their advertisements, but basically inform people that the South was, in big air quotes, in the right. So most of these statues went up between 1900 to 1920, which was the time, as we've discussed before, of like the Harlem Renaissance and black people becoming, you know, themselves and the time of Jim Crow and in the 1950s and 60s, which was obviously the time of civil rights. So these, to me, are obviously meant to send a signal to African-Americans about how they should be treated in America. And that's what I'm going to say about the civil war so now we'll get on to our debate where we're all going to be taking on what we think or an idea that's been put forward about what should happen to these statues so all of my information has come from various news articles that i found in the past month because i thought that would be rather than looking in like history books and things i thought that would be more important because we could see how um our opinions have changed all the way through history yes i thought that was quite considering the arguments that we're all having and we're all discussing i thought that was vital so my argument for my suggestion of what to do with these statues is that we should take the statues down and we should replace them with what people in the local communities decide so whether that's a figure that they see important or whether that's to commemorate a certain time or something like that because as much as when they were put up a lot of the argument is that they were put up because what they brought to the community then was more important 
than their background. So like Cecil Rhodes is a massive one. He brought a lot of uh, economic wealth into <clears throat> he brought a lot of economic wealth into England, and he did a lot with um, just economics and our position in South Africa. So it sounds great, but he was a massive slave owner, and he used slave labour extensively. In Bristol, and I think it was about just under a month ago, um, there was police stood by while protesters were throwing ropes and other various items at a statue of Edward Colston. Colston? I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I feel wrong. Um, And he was a merchant whose name is on many schools and hospitals throughout Bristol. And he profited massively on slavery and transporting at least 80 thousand people from West Africa to the Caribbean um, and almost 20,000 of them died on sea voyages alone so that is shocking in itself but he has a monument and people celebrated him at some point and now Bristol have turned around and gone we don't want that. Bristol's mayor and police chief expressed regret to how the statue was removed so they didn't appreciate that it was it wasn't necessarily violent but the way that it went they understood By that there could have been yeah there could have been a more peaceful way i guess to do that which i understand their point of view because it is still damaging property but he said but they shed no tears for the desecration of the memory so they're happy that it's gone they understand why it needed to go they just thought that it could have been done in a better way but then like for years they were arguing over the plaque and there have been so many proposals and then just no one was happy and i think it just got to a point where they just went we finna yeet this. We don't want it here anymore. Get it. Yeah, get like, rid of it. Exactly. A lot of the arguments I've heard. It. A lot of the arguments I've heard or had with my family have been like, "Oh yeah, a slave owner. We should probably take that statue down, but they didn't have to do it like that." But I think what that fails to acknowledge is that maybe, maybe there's been people in the council or going to the council for years telling them that, but it's not been an urgent issue to those people well, who not understand why it's offensive. The plaque focused just on like his. Fil- philanthropic like nature and oh he yeah he did bring so much to Bristol like the hospitals the schools were funded but they were funded by his involvement in the slave trade and that wasn't really clear on the plaque which is what people took issue with so then they had a proposed change where um they were talking about oh um this article is in the telegraph I think I don't know the exact numbers but the um like I think it was 186,000 children died um, under his involvement, like his ships in the slave trade. So they changed the plaque to get these numbers, you know, the men, the women, the children that were killed in his voyage. But then from this profit, he did good in Bristol. But, you know, the, they like balance each other out. Um, failing then, to acknowledge it is definitely not yeah, the correct way to and go then about it. People argued about it saying oh the fact that you have the specific number that's horrifying like thinking about whatever it was or maybe eighty six thousand children died that's horrible to think about but you could argue but yes it should be there because it happened but they didn't want that on the statue so they went okay they changed it to oh just women and children died on these voyages but then um, I think it was actually a company who used Colson's name um, who lobbied against this plaque because obviously if Colson has, has a bad image they're going to associate bad things with the name of this company. I'm not being funny but to me 
For someone who lived in the time era that he lived in, and if they were transporting people over and over again, women and children probably will die out wherever of natural causes, disease, all that jazz. So that sounds like, oh, it's not too sad. But when you say it doesn't sound like he's and, to blame. Yeah, but when you say 186 or whatever the number was, the fact that it's in thousands goes, yeah, that wasn't just accidental death. That was yeah. neglect, at the very least. I mean, Amy, I, I would love to hear your argument about this because um, I had a phone call with my nana this morning where she said like the removing these statues would be removing history and replacing them with something else would be creating a different history like just talk about it no get into it well excuse me so I've got two points to that like I've got two-pronged approach so with um Bristol now having places for new monuments to go up after they've got rid of this one um there's been critics that have been campaigning for years to take the statue down like it's been going on for ages like we were saying earlier and um they now want to replace the statue with paul stevenson and he's a black worker who led the boycott of bristol bus company in 1963 to force it to end discriminate discrimination um for hiring practices and against minorities and things and that's brilliant we've got somebody else that's taking place and it's important to Bristol. Yeah, so it's more specific to them and it's more showing of their identity, which I think is great. Um, but another point to do with the old statue that's now been taken down. Um, in Berlin, there is a director of the African Museum in Tawerna. I think that's how it's pronounced, I'm not entirely sure. Um, And his institution was originally founded by Leopold II. um, And he was the 19th century king whose reign in Congo sought murder and all sorts of bad stuff to at least 10 million Africans. So already, not quite a good guy. Um, But there's more than 78,000 signatures that have petitioned to remove all the monuments of this king throughout Belgium down. And he says that's brilliant, but there's somewhere about 300 and 400 statues and plaques and streets named after the king. So what a lot of people have asked to do is for his museum to house some of these so we can. there's a place for us to go visit and say that at one point in history, we dedicated an entire bronze big thing to this person because we thought he was so important, but now we've had to remove and change it and he said that's fine and he really thinks that that should happen but the problem with that being what happens to the other like 340 statues and even if he has two or three statues in there are they the ones that are burned and protested against or are they the ones that are still currently like clean i guess yeah. like what what's the right way to go about it and there's a problem that maybe we might end up dedicate having a museum dedicated to this person that we've tried to get rid of. So it becomes a hub sense? of the hatred. Yeah, so it sort of ends up being like dedicated and that's going to obviously be a problem because that's not what we want. So if that made any sense. I also want to like, again, my Nana is getting a lot of shout outs on this podcast. But... <laughs> Go on, Rose Nana. Um, she was saying as well that like, and she actually made a good point that it was a bit patronising to, like, replace statues with slaveholders and just put, like, the equivalent of saying, like, I can't be racist, I have a black friend, was, like, kind of her point of, like, replacing a statue of a slaveholder with, like, and now we have a different statue of a black person. And I didn't know Ooh, if you had, like, a, a good argument with that. Do you know what I mean? 
I don't know. Something about it maybe maybe doesn't sit quite right, but I don't know why. I suppose if you had um, like a like obviously Colston was a prominent figure in Bristol. Um, if you had another um, prominent like black figure from Bristol to be celebrated, but then like what was his name sorry like Paul Stevenson which they're planning to do now yeah and then I don't know there's sort of a maybe a poetic justice to getting rid of someone who oppressed um Africans um so then you know his the I guess a celebration of him being removed from the town that he took pride in um and replaced with um you know a black person who could who you know he would have oppressed (laughs) but it's I don't know it's sort of like it had that poetic justice where his statue was pushed into the docks where his ships left to get to like kidnap people (laughs) yeah Um, I think also in the case of this statue going up of Paul Stevenson it's just shows the change like our society is changing of our attitudes so whereas before we thought that economy and the welfare and the pride that we take in a place was clearly the main focus hence why his statues were up for as long as they were even with them being debated against it's now changed to we're really really it's now changed to we're realizing that um people like paul stevenson who did do the boycotts, who did go out and completely want to change certain aspects, are being celebrated and now being more discovered. Like, I didn't know about him until I just looked this up. But then, like, do you think, is this just a cosmetic change? Like, this it's isn't changing... To take it, it's a bit patronising. Yeah, like, yeah. oh... Here's a, here's a statue for you, but you know the statue is an, is like a representation of the institution. The like the okay, so it's almost like putting a putting a plaster on like a broken leg. We've used that phrase twice. I was going to say I think <laughs> I think that was in last episode. That should be the new tagline to this podcast. We're going to make all our podcasts around that one phrase at some point. We're going to have a theme. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it's a start, maybe. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to look. Should at it be it, the end. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to look at it in a really positive light because it scares me to think of what the negative could be. So in my head, I'm like, well, it's a start, and the fact that everyone's talking about it so much so that we've put it in a podcast on its own. And me and my dad, we've had so many conversations about this, and they have been quite adult in the sense of we've actually spoken rather than shouted at each other. <laughs> it's a nice change, but that's happened because other people have done this, and yeah. as communities. Instead of being as a country, we should think this. It's communities together. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if that's me looking at it too positively. I also think like it'd be very important to focus on what you said at the beginning, Amy, of the community deciding. Because I feel like if if it was like in America, let's say, if you got rid of a, a slaveholding statue and then out of nowhere you were just like, and here's Martin Luther King that would feel very patronising. However, if it was a person that was, you know, if they're going to do that in, like, Detroit, the man was not from Detroit. Like, if they did 
a community-led thing where it was someone within the community, someone important from that, rather than it being a blanket sort of uh, any important activist we can think of, quick, let's get one up. If it was community-led, like you said, I think that would be a much smarter way to go about it. Yeah, I think even if they, I guess they don't even have to be related to activism for equality. Like, obviously don't, if they're a known racist or homophobe or did do something horrible but then did good things, don't make have a statue of them. But, you know, obviously, I don't know much about the history of Bristol. I'm not from there. But um, I've never even been to Bristol. I, yeah, I no, I have not. Lots of past it, I guess, but... I've driven near it. <laughs> um, you know, so surely, like, there's an amazing council person who passed you know did some really great work for the community or you know maybe there's like a community hero where everyone goes yeah remember that thing they did that was brilliant you know Mm. I think a good example is in in where I'm from Leicester there wasn't a statue there before but they created a new sort of like square in Leicester behind the market and they put a statue up but they put a statue up of a suffragette and I was like oh here's another Amelia Pankhurst statue which obviously she's a you know, yeah, we're not an amazing saying, activist. Yeah. We're not saying Amelia Pankhurst does not deserve to be acknowledged. It was, I was just like, uh, one of the many. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, here we go. She's not from Leicester. But then they put one of the suffragettes that was from Leicester in a statue. And I was like, oh, so they, this is a community thing. This was a woman that was part of, you know, she shopped at this market. This is a woman that is important to our community. And it felt a lot less patronising because it felt like they had spent time researching it. It's kind of sad that that's a surprise to us. Like the fact that you once walked by and was like, hey, it's a different statue to what I expected and it's from Leicester. Like, of course it should be, I guess. It's really nice as well. They left her shoelaces like unstatued. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yes. Oh my God, just sneeze. I need to blow my nose. <coughs> my behavior was so bad. I'm so sorry. Hang on. I'm going to have to blow my nose. You don't look urgent until like two seconds before you're I about know. to die. So you're just like. So I just think you're putting your hand up being like, oh, can I speak next? This isn't like important enough to put in the podcast, so I'm going to say it anyway. But like, they left her shoes without laces in, in the statue, so that people could lace them with the colours of the, um, with ribbons that were the colour of the suffragettes. So every like, Women's History Month, they like, do her uh, laces up with the colours of the suffragettes. It felt less patronising because this woman was part of Leicester, she was part of the community. It wasn't just thrown in there as throwing a bone to the like and look we like women history so a lot of conversations that I've had with whether that's my friends that are the same age as me whether that's my grandma and my grandparents who are all significantly older or whatever everyone that I've had discussions with have said that it seems like we're just sort of jumping on America's bandwagon and sort of like copying them almost and they don't understand why we've gone so hard so quick and I got why they were confused but then it wasn't until it was like written down for me that I realized why people think this but it's like britain's loads of historians have said that britain has come to the bit debate come to the debate more slowly than america because even though america considering the short amount of time there history which isn't it's just shorter history does that feel right yeah Yeah, okay um historians have said that britain has come to this debate a lot more slowly in comparison to america with such a shorter lifespan we'll say um because our legacy of racism was largely outside of the country. So like with Cecil Rhodes, who was a massive user of slave labour and uh, transporter of slaves 
that was outside in the Cape Colonies in South Africa. It wasn't to do with England necessarily. Outside and, out of mind. Yeah, and all that England saw at that point, apart from very few articles and things, was that they were getting more prosperous, more money into the country, and they were being celebrating for this person. So the public don't see it as much, so then it's been less known about. Um, so Britain's geographic distance from colonisation... Uh, no. Britain's geographical distance from uh, colonialism and the slave trade sort of has allowed us to claim that we're not at heart racist, whereas America, they went over and said, this is now our land. Which... And even, and even like, we learned a lot about, you know, obviously, slave conditions and that they often lived within metres of their, like, their enslaved people. Mm. So, like, they had to face it on a day-to-day basis. They lived literally in their back gardens. Exactly. We don't have con- uh, cotton plantations and things. But when I was doing British Empire um, for um, A-level history, I learned about this thing called mercantilism. And basically what England did was they forced a lot of other colonies, not just African colonies, but they forced colonies like Africa to produce these raw materials and not do any more than produce the raw materials. So Britain could buy it back for cheap and sell it to other places that were slightly more uh, modernised, like America for a higher price and then they'd sell it at an extortionate price back to the colonies so we were getting all the profits and the money from it but we were still forcing these colonies to stay small and stay not great basically we weren't helping them build not that we have to help them build but considering the way we were forcing them to produce do everything for us but I learnt that in a history book because we didn't see that at face value so that was a bit anyway statues yeah (laughs) sorry the way I sort of understood the statue argument is I've gone around the houses so I don't know whether that helps anybody else but that's that's how I have to understand things stop apologising it's good yeah Um, if you haven't got anything else to just wrap up your argument and say whether you agree with it like how much you agree with it and then me and Hannah can be like we agree with it a little bit as well so, I I don't know if I'm going to second-guess this argument later on, but at the end of my notes searching that I personally found, not having heard Hannah and Rose's argument, I wholeheartedly, like, agree with it. We should replace statues because as communities, we've seen that um, we need to move on and we found different opinions and we found different aspects of people's personalities that we didn't see before. So, like Cecil Rhodes, like Edward Colston. Um, so yeah, I think it's highly important that communities come together and we decide what to do with them. I also want to touch on that though. Like, I think a lot of Americans are scared about where the line is because mm. I think a lot of them are like, oh, today it's Stonewall Jackson, tomorrow it's Thomas Jefferson, and I just, I just want to like, yeah, it might be. That's going to be hard for a lot of people, but. He also was a slave owner, and you have to decide whether, you know, his pamphlets and his writing was more important than those people's lives. And that's Mm. not a conversation that's easy to have, but it's a conversation that's going to have to happen. I know you briefly touched upon it with, like, the idea of the museum, but if we, you know, if the statues did get removed, what would you do with them? Like, just destroy them, or...? Well, there was... Funnily enough, there was um, in Bel... I think it was in Belgium? No, it wasn't. I 
tell a lie. So there's um, so Claudine Van Hensbergen, an associated professor at Northumberland, at uh, Northumbria, sorry, University in Britain. Um, she studies public statues, and she said that there was an angry mob in Newcastle, and back in eight no, back in sixteen eighty eight, and they threw a statue of King James II into a river, um, and then they took it out of the river like ages later and they melted it down and transferred it into this city's all saints church and her direct quote was it was torn down for its catholic associations and it was recast into the church bells for an anglican church i'm not saying we have to be as political as that but she says it's a really political act that carries huge symbolic meaning so we could put a lot of them into museums and i think that we should do that so then we can revisit them and see them but for people like leopold ii where there's going to be hundreds of them that might not be possible so melt them down put them into something different or as a community change them personally maybe completely strip them of that meaning and change it into yeah. something productive but yeah, i don't think that point. would be whitewashing history or that would be just covering it up because i think for one statue to get to where it is that in itself it show it's literal progress history. of the metal and it's progress in how we approach things how we think of things i like that so the next idea that people have regarding what to do with the statues um, is just like leaving them blank with the plaque um, as a reminder about like what used to be and just have them as a space for, you know, communities to go, yeah, this guy's done stuff for art. Well, especially I think it, Colston is like a really good case because obviously that's recent history. And it is, like, obviously, we're from the UK, so we've seen more of the fallout. And there could be a place, you know, to hold, um, like, event community events, like loads of hospitals, streets, schools are named after him. So, obviously, he, he, he's, the, he's there in the everyday lives of Bristolians. 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 If that's not what they're known as, they should be from now on. I didn't, I didn't think we'd fit that word into a podcast, but here we are. It has been decreed. But I don't know. I, t- I think I take issue with the leaving them blank because that's not really acknowledging anything. Because, like, you're not being educated. I think a lot of people have now learned. I didn't even know Colston was a person. And now I'm like, oh, he was, a, he was a big slave trader. That's not good. Um, so, you know, there's unless you, you actively have some more education, it's not. There's, there's, there's no context having a, like a blank plaque. Like, if you like take a statue of Churchill, which is a big topic in the UK again at the minute, because he basically had like really um, supremist attitudes regarding. He was massively for the empire as well, highly imperialist, yeah. which was a and problem at the time. Churchill, when he was. Uh, during his military career, the time he spent in Afghanistan, he said all who resist will be killed without quarter because the Pashtuns need to recognise the superiority of race. Uh, uh, said, and like this is this is reminds me so much of like the Vietnam War with the Zippo raids of the American soldiers. He said we proceeded systematically village by village and we destroyed the houses, filled up the wells blew down the towers, cut down the great shady trees, burned the crops and broke the reservoirs in punitive devastation. Oh, God. He then also 
I've got, oh no, I've got some more atrocities. Keep going. <laughs> he also wrote of how every tribesman caught was speared or cut down at once. Like, there was pride in, like, essentially genocide. He, with stuff like that, um, I think in, in India, he, the, like, his actions or rather, like, the attitudes of him and the army led to four million people starving to death. It's hard to it's it's hard to be patient with the people that don't want to change stuff when you hear facts like that. And I like it's hard to sit down and have conversations with those people when you know stuff like that. But yeah, so this is what I mean. If you leave a statue blank, everyone knows who Churchill is. He was he was a good leader who led us to victory. There's no I'm not arguing that. No one's no one's on the side but, of Actually, he shouldn't have been leader during World War Two. But he clearly, politically, something's right. Politically, he wasn't a good leader. Like, there's a reason he wasn't voted in as prime minister again during um, after like the Second World War. This is the thing. So, like Boris Johnson, everyone went mental over the fact that they worked out what did he cheat on his wife? Did he leave his wife? I can't remember what he did Anything. specifically. Oh, he's he's done many things. I know that much. But I can't remember specifics, but everyone went mental over it for at least a good month going, oh, my God, how can he be prime minister? But yet we hear this about Churchill and go, it's fine. It was a while ago. It was, it was during think, that time. That, what that's a that really good mean? point. That's a really good point where a lot of the arguments you hear are like, oh, but they were around in a different time. They'll, he was well, a yeah, product of his but time. I don't know where you live, but I live in 2020 and I'm going to judge them in our time. As everyone Which, should be. There should be a slight line of acceptance because I, think, I get it, but not with stuff yeah, for like for their that. bad hairstyles, not for their owning of fucking slaves. Exactly. Just cut the word fucking up. But I mean, when you, like, you say, like, yeah, we've got to hold them to 20, 20 standards, we can only do that to a certain extent. I guess I it's remember, not about holding them, but it's holding ourselves to that standard. Yeah, of, this like, is what I mean. Like, when, when you're studying them as figures... You have to study them in the context of their time, yeah. like just from an academic perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure John spoke to us about that. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, but with, yeah, like with the contemporary stuff that's going on today, if we're still celebrating these figures, we need to go, yeah, this happened too. I've been to Churchill's um, like house, it's now a museum, and there isn't like, Obviously, they haven't mentioned that. Like, I don't know whether it's... Na- I think it's pretty sure it's National Trust, but, like, Churchill's family still help with it. And there's some really interesting stuff in there. Like, you can see um, his manuscripts and stuff, but there's... I didn't know... There was nothing in there to teach me about what he actually did during his, like, tours in Afghanistan and his time in the army. Yeah. I just think it's quite a clear example of us being on the winning side of history I guess. I feel like if we were more, not that I'm saying Church was anything like Hitler, but if we were more we've lost the war, then we would look more negatively on Churchill, but because we won the war, then we have to be like, well, we were brilliant we've won, we've gone against adversity We've. I think Germany's a really people. good example not that they're all bad, but you knew what I meant. Germany's like a really good example to bring up because they they do have empty plinths in Germany but they also teach from a very young age about the the mistakes that happened and how it can't happen again and there's there's something called I'm going to pronounce this wrong but 
um, there's something called historical strike in Germany, which basically means that it's a community responsibility to teach the mistakes that have happened. And I think maybe leaving the the plinth blank is the most basic form of that. Do you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like, look, we've moved, moved on. It's more of like a passive act. Yeah. So, you know, where you are actually removing a statue and thinking about, all right, let's replace it with something meaningful to be celebrated. That's more like active. If you just go, oh, we'll leave it there, but we'll take off the words. So, you know, there's nothing good or bad there. If you, like, people are going to remember, they're, they're still going to be like, oh, this man's Edward Colston. Everything in Bristol's named after him. Yeah, he did good stuff if he's got a blank plaque. If you have a plaque like they wanted to, which said about, you know, I looked it up, he, he trafficked 80,000 men, women and children total. So, you know, if you say, yeah, if you had, like, he was a, he did such philanthropic work, you know, many streets, hospitals, schools are named after him in this town, but they were built on the profits of the 80,000 men, women and children he trafficked in the slave trade and profited off. Yeah. You are learning about, okay, the benefits to this town are at the cost of these people's lives. Yeah. Their freedoms. To me, this just shows and proves how important education is because I think it's ab- we're able to do that in Germany more of leaving them blank, like you said, because it's taught at such a young age the world was as they should be because they were a massive point in history. So a lot of people know the basic history around it, but not everyone knows the basic history about um, Colston and things like that. And Cecil Rose, I only heard about him until like A-level, so I didn't know anything bad, good or anything. But that's because we weren't taught about it. So with what you were saying, it should be different um, approaches to different monuments and different times, people and blah, blah, blah. I mean, at the, same, at the same level, World War Two was, you know, that's in, that's still in living memory. Like, my grandparents mm. were alive during well, World War II. Um, The only, like, really, really good thing I've seen about the empty plinth sort of theory, if you want to call it that, is that I've seen quite a few of them, especially in America, being used as, as like, sort of a hub for the protest where people that are leading the protest get on there with with megaphones and, and make speeches and powerful poems, songs, moments, chants within the middle of the protest and use that as an actual platform to, to get their message across. And I think if we could somehow continue that sort of sort of community space and making it a place where people come to learn and something like that, that would be useful. That's the only like really positive thing I could think of with there being like no replacements anywhere. Mm. You know? Now we're gonna like go to the most conservative idea in most ways is to leave them up but shift the presentation. Which when I first say it, look, I'm not saying I agree with it, I'm saying it's been put forward and I'm just here to present the argument and we'll get into it. So the a really good example that I've personally seen, this is just like my own experiences. I don't know if I've mentioned it enough, but I've been to Berlin. What? <laughs> so I went to Berlin for Christmas and we were walking down the street and I was walking with someone and they said, oh, do you want to stop and take a photo? And I was like, of what? And they were like, the church. And I was like, 
why would I want to take a photo of a church? And then he said, look up at the, the, the tower. And the tower, you could see fully into the church because half of its roof and half of the tower was completely gone. You could see into the church and everyone knew and it was common knowledge. And there was, you know, information around it saying that it had been bombed in the war. And they made a conscious effort not to repair this church because it was a physical scar of war. And to heal it and to let it be a normal church again would have taken away the, the physical pain and torment that a lot of people had to go through in the war and what happened. And I think that's the best example of leaving something as it is. But in today, like in modern times, and I think a really good link to America has been um, a defaced, in air quotes, defaced statue of Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee was like a really important Confederate leader. I don't know if you've seen it, of the statue in Virginia. Do you know about this? Basically, it's a statue of him on horseback that's really big in Virginia. And it has been like covered in in pride flags, in Black Lives Matter flags, in protest signs, in in graffiti. It's just been completely made into this big monument to Black Lives Matter over a Robert E. Lee statue, Hmm. which I think has... I think I would be disappointed if it was removed. Not because it's Robert E. Lee, because obviously, and I don't know if I can make this clear enough, we do not support people that support Robert E. Lee. I think I'd be disappointed to see it removed because it's become a, a beautiful thing of people taking to the streets and showing us that this is now their place, that they're not afraid to be queer, they're not afraid to be black, they, they want to be out here showing their signs. However, let's get into the problems with this theory. <laughs> that you're leaving racist statues up I mean not every statue has been changed not every statue even if we change the plaque the context and give so much more information just walking down the street if you're getting to the bus stop from your house and you have to walk past a statue of Stonewall Jackson you're not going to read the plaque that says Stonewall Jackson was a horrible slave trading man you're just going to see a statue of him not only that but with what Hannah was saying earlier with her uh, with the plaques being changed there's already a problem with that what information do you put on with the plaque and what information makes it to one way or the other well, and how do you stop it from becoming the, a hub for hate the rosa mm. park statue is a good example is that the one with the massive plaque that goes on for ages and then it doesn't really actually give much specific information at all yeah you've yeah. literally summed it up oh there we go sorry <laughs> yeah like that that's it, it just goes um, on and on and it was like oh this Seems like it must be monumental, but even reading it, you don't feel anything other than, oh, okay, I know who Rosa Parks and I got told about that in primary. Okay, yeah, as well, like, popular media, like, you know, Disney films and cartoons from the 20th century have got questionable stereotypes in them, and... If anyone wants an example, Song of the South. Yeah, but I've, I've got, like, an example here. Welcome back to the Cocaine Addicts podcast with Hannah, our host. <laughs> so, yeah, on Disney Plus, they've released uh, Jumbo, but they... Ha- uh, Jumbo? Dumbo. Jumbo! Jumbo Gents! <laughs> Dumbo, apologies. And they've... Um, in If you haven't seen Dumbo, they have... It was released in 1941. So this was, you know, World War II, the civil rights movement, 
hadn't properly actively begun yet. And they had the the crows in the oh, film God. who, you know, Jim Crow laws. There's a reason they're called Jim Crow laws. He was like, this was a character who was like a caricature. 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 Of black people, like the stereotypes that just were horrible. And the crows, like he's saying, if I see an elephant fly, they are obviously like poor stereotypes of black people but when they released it on disney plus obviously a new streaming site so giving lots of people access to their old content song of the south is not on there um they in the description they put like the plot of the film in loads and loads of detail it takes up one two three four five five lines then they've got this disclaimer saying contains tobacco depictions this program is presented as originally created it may contain outdated cultural depictions. That's it like half do. a sentence. It may. It I'm not do. even saying it does. But if you compare this to Warner Brothers, I've spoken about this before in lectures. When, um, so, you know, Tom and Jerry, their really popular cartoon, it's been remade so many times, originally came out in the 1940s. And when it was released on DVD um, and brought to Amazon Prime in 2014, like digitally, so obviously it comes to a bigger audience. They preface this um, with a much like bigger disclaimer. There's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten lines. None of this describing the episode. It's just the disclaimer. And they directly call out the prejudices inside them. They say the cartoons you're about to see are products of their time. They may depict some of the ethic, ethnic and racial prejudices that were commonplace in American societies. These depictions were wrong then and are wrong today. While these cartoons do not represent t- today's society, they are being presented as they were originally created, because to do otherwise would be the same as claiming these prejudices never existed. And I think Whoopi Goldberg actually um, appeared like on, yeah, the DVD box set, uh, including an introduction from Whoopi Goldberg um, about why producers decided to leave the scene in. Um, with like uh, the racial, I'm not actually sure what the racial stereotype was. I know that Tom had a black owner, like she was a black woman, but I cannot for the life of me remember <laughs> what the extra stereotypes was. But yeah, you have an example of them directly calling it out. So I think the way they've got a the comparison there of two different ways of contextualizing yeah. a cultural, you know, prejudice. And I think if, if people were going to leave these statues up, it would have to be as obvious as a church in Berlin that is half fallen apart. Mm. It would have to be as blatant when you're walking down the street as Robert E. Lee covered in pride flags and Black Lives Matter signs. I think just leave leave him with the flags. Like, I would love that, to see him, see him covered in a new sense of pride, a new sense of where we are as society, is to see him with the with the... Um, bisexual transgender flags on him is is amazing yeah see. i think if, if you uh, erect like what they masks flag masks you know flag poles yeah um with you know instead of like the confederate flag have like you know the black lives matter the black power fist symbol and yeah. then like you know the pride flag and actually have so I think there are ways it could be done. It would just have to be done so carefully. Like, you would have to have the focus, first and foremost, being on, like, that. Like, if the flags were huge or, like, a banner across 
the top of him, you know, you see that first and then you go, oh, this is clearly not here to celebrate the Confederacy. Yeah. Yeah. And then you'd be like, okay, like it's uh, again, we are white people. We don't experience this oppression. And I don't think I've never been affected by like a statue and been like, okay. But if you see someone who's like oppressed, like your great grandma, like somewhat today, someone's great grandma could have been a slave. That's how recent that yeah. is. So if you see like a statue of someone and go, that man kept my family on a plantation. And like you said, walking to a bus, you're going to see him. That's like, how's that going to make you feel? That's going to make you feel like you're like, it's still there. It's still a part of your life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The only way I can sort of like contextualize that is, and it is nowhere in near as important or detrimental is I'm from the North. If we've not noticed um, so if we, there are, I don't think there are any, but there is very little, if any, mention to Margaret Thatcher because of obvious situations of miners and northerners, and it is no very. No way! Did they do you not affirm? <laughs> you don't. It would be what? a surprise. I know Margaret Thatcher is not our biggest. <sighs> ding, ding, dong! The witch do be dead. Well, that was, ah, uh, that day. Anyway, um, we don't say that she was completely a bad person. However, our problem is. <laughs> Our problem was she directly ruined a lot of people's income, we'll say. That's where we'll go with. So and we it don't would like be to stupid s- to publicly yeah. advertise her. So we don't want to see that. that. So we've allowed for that not to happen. But yet there's people like Robert E. Lee that are up in America. There are people that are so misconstrued in statues and it's just like, but why are we not allowed Margaret Thatcher in the North but we're allowed massive multi-million slave owners I I know what you mean I think overall with my argument I think that there are few cases where it could work but I think it would have to be done it would have to be community led again it would have to be led by the people that this is effective and it would have to be a constant ongoing conversation which is what it should be absolutely for all of these suggestions, it needs to be community-led. It needs to be an ongoing thing that isn't just a quick fix and then we're done. So what we've worked out is none of our arguments are the only one. We don't 100% believe in all of them. And we don't know. But we should carry on talking about it. But we, we should do. listen to people that do know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do all agree something has to happen. Oh, 100%. Whatever it is. Ridiculously, yes. The trouble with these statues is they don't... They do represent the people, but they're celebrating an institution. And it's the institution they represent that is the issue. This is why we you can't leave them up as they are. Not in, in 2020, no. Yep, I think we can all... If, if we can't settle on anything else, we could all settle on that. I feel like that's the entirety. Yeah, yes. <laughs> to sum up our hour-long conversation with one sentence... <laughs> Thank you for listening, but we should be listening to Black Voices and a really good one to listen to is Lele Genevieve on TikTok. So easy to learn about it. She's a 19-year-old African-American woman that has created a website by coding it herself called PB Resources that has donation links, podcasts, film, all types of media and the stories of people that have been victims of police brutality over the past year. Please go and support her any way you can. Just because your grandma was a slut. (laughs) No, I'm joking. Don't tell her I said that.